This is Daniel Fagella, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast, where non-technical professionals stay ahead of the AI curve. If you're not looking to learn to write Python, but you do want to identify high ROI projects and see them through to a successful deployment, you found yourself in the right place. In this episode, we're going to be talking about AI and how it intersects with a software that almost all enterprises have. When you think about software that almost all enterprises have, you might say, well, maybe it's some kind of an HR platform. Maybe it's a CRM. Well, what's even older than that? An ERP. The big ERP players like SAP, for example, are among some of the largest software firms in the world, but ERP systems were not necessarily built for training AI algorithms in terms of how data is stored, in terms of how data is accessed across teams, in terms of how data is displayed. It really is more about looking at the past than the future, and some of those systems are leveling themselves up, but there's also an increasingly big ecosystem of vendors that are working off of that system. We speak today with Anand Maharkar, who has been on the show in the past. He's the founder and CEO of Findability Sciences here in Boston. And Findability has done a lot of work in the ERP space across different sectors. We open this episode up with some of the challenges of data access, and then we dive deep into multiple use cases for how current ERP data, in other words, what's being stored in an ERP now, can provide predictive value for estimating demand, as well as for customizing prices for different products. There's so much to cover in the ERP space. There was a recent article in VentureBeat called Eight Reasons ERP is Back on the Rise, and Anand, and actually their new product, ERP Max, is actually mentioned in this article. Worth a read for some context on how kind of clunky the ERP universe is and what potential value it might hold for AI, but I'll leave it for Anand to be able to unpack that value and where it goes. This episode is brought to you by Findability Sciences. If you're interested in learning more about reaching Emerge's global audience through our podcast, email, and more, Stay tuned to the end of this episode. We'll talk a little bit more about Emerge Media and what we do as vendor companies. But without further ado, we've got a lot of insights to cover, and it's always a fun conversation with Anand, so let's fly right in. This is Anand with Findability here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Anand, welcome back to the program. Good to have you here. Dan, good afternoon. Thank you for having me again. Great to chat with you always. Yes, and we're getting into a topic that we did not cover last time around ERP. I think everybody in big enterprise knows what ERP is, and they know the big players. They know the SAPs. They know all the other larger vendors in that space. A lot of your recent work has been operating in that ecosystem. I want to open it up with what some of the challenges are that you're seeing with waking up and getting predictive use from ERP data. There's a lot of value in there. But what are the challenges enterprise leaders are facing? So, Dan, uh, before we get into ERP, let's touch upon and your listeners on data. Okay, so whenever it comes to machine learning and AI, as you know, that we start with data. And invariably, when we approach to any organization, it may be small, medium, or large organization, most of their data resides into one big system. And then there are many other miscellaneous systems around it, and they have a lot of external data. And if you recollect, in the past, we talked about the importance of even even getting data from outside the organization or unstructured data, etc. But that big data repository, or if I want to call it as a parking lot of data in an organization, happens to be ERP system. And irrespective of who are the original developers of the ERP system, they become very important for a machine learning or AI implementation 
because those application host a lot of historic data. Transactional systems host a lot of data which is needed for training an AI algorithm and getting out of it the most out of the what happened in the organization. So therefore, when you try to see which are those biggest data repositories in the organization, as I mentioned, those happen to be ERP and therefore we play into that ecosystem. So that is not new to us, but what we found is that there are two types of setups we encounter at a customer base. One is these discrete data sources are there in the organization and the customers want us to collect that data, unify that data and use it into the machine learning processing. But then the other is that already sophisticated organizations who have centralized data repositories, they have data warehouses or data lakes, and in that they have already bought ERP data from ERPs. What we found, and it was that those who are not done that sophisticated centralized data systems, they have a big challenge in terms of getting the data out of ERP and trying to make some use of it. And we spend months and sometimes years with our customers in terms of accessing the data. So we then thought that why don't we have make easy for our customers and for vendors like us that we create a plugin for some standard use cases. So we predefine that these are the data we want from an ERP. We created a script which we can plug in into the ERPs, pull data, and then deploy machine learning and AI applications. So that's the need we found in the area of ERP, that where there is no centralized data repositories, ERP has become a big uh, central data systems for the organization, and having access to that data is very important. Yeah, and well, we're going to get into some concrete use cases of where it becomes valuable. In terms of the why that it's challenging, you mentioned without some of these central systems, it can become very hard to get access to this and use it in productive ways. You're mentioning years with specific clients. Doesn't surprise me. These are big systems. They're probably across multiple divisions and departments, different kinds of legal stipulations around accessing different kinds of data. I think many of our listeners who've been in this space for a while will, will understand that. But is it primarily the fact that many of these systems are maybe splintered or duplicated that makes it hard? Is it the politics of data access? Is it in part the fact that the systems weren't built explicitly for having harmonized data that could feed into an algorithm? What are the big hurdles that make it a barrier? Because you'd think some people might just try to figure this out over a weekend, but of course it's harder than that. Why is that? So then practically the reasons which you said, I would say all above are probably the reasons, but one particular reason why the data is hard to get is defining a use case. Because not only the access to data, but we also found that if we just keep the conversation very vague, what data to get out of ERP and test out some proof of concepts or project becomes a big hurdle for companies. So therefore, what we decided is that why don't we guide even the organization saying that, okay, from an ERP, we want these 10 data, so data items or these 20 data items or 100 data items. So predefine that and extract only that. So it's not more much of a technical issue in terms of accessing the data, but it's about what data, how to access it, when to access it. And as we just talked about, whether it is politics or whether it is regulations or security, privacy. So there are many other challenges which are involved. But the main challenge is really what data. Because we, we were just thrown challenges saying, oh, this is our ERP, take what you want. And then it becomes really difficult because you have not defined the use case. Plus, you are just scouting on an ocean to try to get some data. 
So defining what is needed and then accessing that ERP makes it more easy. And that is a main challenge we solve. Got it. Okay. So yeah, we've, we've had conversations with folks in larger, let's say, medical device firms or something. We talk about data architecture. To your point, yes, if you just say, we just need data to get value with AI, with what data, in what way, in what format, all of that is going to be defined around use cases. And there's, it's pretty clear the data that's been stored in the ERP was not all stored in some special harmonized way so it could be used explicitly for AI. We have to retroactively figure that out. That is part of the challenge. So what you've said is you thought about what are some of the common ways we can get it out and turn it into value and focused on some of those more frequent use case areas. Right. So, so that, as I was just talking about that, in addition to defining that data, we also def- predefined, if you want to call it as use cases as well. Because instead of keeping it vague, saying that, okay, give us ERP data and then we can explore some use cases for you. With our experience of working with wide variety of customers in various geographies and various verticals, we now fairly know what type of solutions are required in an organization if predominantly they use ERP as their main data system. And therefore, what is now we solved is not only the ability to access the data, but the ability to quickly deploy use cases to solve some challenges in the organization. And traditionally, as you know, these ERPs, in fact, one of my colleagues said that these ERPs are unsung heroes of organizations. They are (laughs) a really, very cool system. They're backbone of the organizations. They really do very, very well. And billions of dollars of organizations run on ERPs. So they're very, very good system and very important systems within the organization. But just by the nature of what they are and they were supposed to do, they always tell you what happened when it comes to analytics or when it comes to reporting. And whereas today, as you know, Dan, you cover most of the technologies and AI and ML, the organization really need to know what will happen and what to do. So when we defined the use cases, we kept in mind that what are those executives who are using ERPs today for analytics, they get really very good insights into what happened in their organization, whether it is about sales, profitability, receivables, price prediction, price, uh, what happened to their products, etc. But they really know, don't know what will happen next month on all those items or next year. And what we found that the gap is that we can add on this to these really unsung heroes of the organization and make them more useful in terms of what executives want in this new world is what will happen and what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, SAP or any of these other bigger players, you know, would have been impossible to foresee a prescriptive future of data whenever that that time was, or it would have been very, very hard and not practical to put it in place. So now we have to figure out how to do that. And clearly a big area of where you guys are focused. We can start to make this concrete around some some areas of focus. So demand planning, you and I have had some conversations about this. I've followed you guys for long enough to have a grasp of sort of the domain space that you play in. But let's talk a little bit about what elements of demand planning sort of draw on ERP and what it looks like to free that stuff up so that we can get predictive. Because demand planning, of course, you know, we want to plan for the future. You don't plan for the past. So this is a consummate example. What does it look like to start to unlock that? Yeah, so, and that's a great example about demand. And every executive uh, in any organization, whether it's manufacturing or financial services, those who use ERP systems, they want to really know what is the demand in the market. Now, how, do, how can you find out that from an ERP? 
most of these ERPs have stored historic data about what happened in the company, how much, how many products they sold, in which region they sold, what type of components they sold, what spare parts they sold. So you take any industry and they have all that data recorded in an ERP. Now, this, the ERPs can tell you what happened, how many items you sold, which region, which customers, et cetera, et cetera. But they can't really talk about forecasting that I want to know the demand in coming fall or I want to know demand during the year end. If they want to know that, by adding ML and AI algorithm, they will be able to find out that easily. But what we have done in ERP Max is we have created a connector which connects to ERP system and just takes very finite data related to demand. I mean, what happened in an organization during last two years, three years, four years, 10 years, the more the merrier. So the historic data is collected through this connector from the ERP and that is used to train our algorithm. Now, once the algorithm is trained, it can now forecast based on the requirement of the customer weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly, or even we have a couple of customers for whom we are predicting or forecasting almost 16 quarters down the line in terms of what would be there. So that is what is our demand planning module of ERP Max, which connects to the demand data and forecast what will happen during next few quarters. Okay, so yeah, we're talking about getting access to specific you know, individual types of data, maybe in different silos, being able to feed that through a connector in a way where we can actually garner some predictive value from it. What I would imagine this would look like, Anand, and I'd really like your walkthrough on this, is probably if you've done enough demand planning projects, you have a hint as to what kinds of data is of the highest value, what kinds of products were sold, maybe the inventory levels, Lord knows. I mean, you know I don't. But you have, a, you have an idea. So you go in with some idea, but probably every client is different and there's some level of, of exploring with their teams. Which kinds of data are really the best signals for demand at this company? And where does that stuff live? And that there's kind of a bit of an exploring process. And probably after that, there might even be a question around how do we harmonize and make it useful? Because maybe it is stored and maybe they give you some real gold mines in terms of historic data but it might be stored in a way that's really clunky and it's going to be very hard to feed an algorithm. So it almost feels like there's a collaborative, what are we going to use process? And then a collaborative, how are we going to clean it and actually use it process? Let me know if that is in fact the case. And if so, how it works. Yeah. So Dan, let's step back for a minute. I'll, I'll break down into a couple of answers on your point. So first is that why ERP? Because as you rightly said, that every organization may have data related to demand, for an example, stored in a different ways. But when it comes to an ERP, and I'm talking about ERP as a wide segment, and there are many products, and I'll just take for the sake of names to the listeners to make this topic easy. If you take somebody is using SAP or somebody is using Microsoft Dynamics, the data, the way it is stored in SAP for sales is more or less same for the same organization because it is a standard SAP module related to sales processing or order processing or invoice processing. And therefore, what we are saying is that, yes, we know that these ERPs are used differently, but when it comes to one standard ERP, the data and the way the processes are managed are mostly same or common. And therefore, it becomes now easier for us to access data from ESAP or Microsoft Dynamics or likes of other ERPs. And therefore, that that concern that every industry may have different data is widely 
gone because again a we are going very specific use case and b we are going to a specific product in which the data is standardized and so stored in more or less same ways and you talked about data quality so those issues still remain we are not saying that this is a magic bullet and this takes care of every single challenge if the data is not good and if there are lots of duplicates or the transactions are not good there are ways we have created electronic the exploratory data analysis tool in between on this ERP max where the data is first explored before it is going into the training. We do some sort of data feature engineering and data cleaning. So those steps are not avoided. But again, coming back to the standardized product, it is assumed that that within the ERP systems and environment, the data is fairly straightforward and standard. But if not, we will have to do that little bit of manual or semi-automatic work, which is no way different than what we as a AI vendor traditionally do for all such projects. And then last you talked about that once we have this access to data, the demand planning. So what, what is that data for demand? So I let's take an example of a customer we work where we are predicting for them in 10 different regions of America what products they will sell. They have about 1,000 SKUs. And these 1,000 SKUs are sold into 10 different markets. So they have geographic positioning of the markets. And they want to know the demand from these 10 markets on their 1,000 products. Now, this is a simple in terms of problem statement. Now, when it goes to ERP, they have these 1,000 products sales into these 10 territories, along with many other variables like the date or the or month which is sold or the sales rep which has sold or distributor who has sold and, and then many other attributes which are related to the sales process which is stored in an ERP. That data is picked up for demand planning. So using that data now we can forecast for them in 10 different sectors in the United States how their 1000 products will get sold over the next 16 quarters. Got it. Okay. So and it sounds somewhat relieving to note that there are there is some uniformity to expect within within a specific CRM system in terms of where and how things are stored. Yes, that makes gives us a little bit more solid ground to actually stand on. So demand planning, a strong example, and now we have an understanding of what the extracting and use of that data actually looks like. Obviously, many other potential applications that this information could be used for. You and I talked off microphone a little bit about price recommendations, which maybe for some people tuned in, demand planning tied with ERP is a bit of a natural connection. Price recommendations might be a little bit more surprising. Hey, cool. We could use ERP data to recommend what kind of price in e-commerce or in our stores or whatever that we want to sell with. Talk a little bit about where that data comes from and what the process looks like to allow ERP data to, again, inform the way that we're doing pricing and make it more dynamic. So, Dan, as we know that ERPs are mostly used for purchase order processing, invoice creations, in collecting all the data related to invoices, payments, product pricing in terms of at what price the product is sold. So ERPs do have all the data related to price information of a product or many products the organizations deal into. Now, again, we have historic data within the ERPs on pricing because Sometimes there are discounts given or there are sometimes price variability based on seasons or festivals and etc. So we are able to take that data from the history in terms of what the organizations have sold a product at what price 
and then in our ERP max on our AI algorithms, we have a innovation done for a continuous target variable. Now, what I mean by continuous target variable, and this is a little technical, but so for example, a product you sold in the past for $100 and then you increase the price to 120 and then suddenly you gave discount because you had more inventory, so you reduced it to 80. So in history, and I'm just making a simple example that you have three price points, $100, $120 and $80 for the same product. Now, when the system picks up this data from ERP and then machine learning algorithm learns, Typically, as you know, a standard supervised machine learning algorithm will tell you either price should be 80 or 120 or 100. But what we have done is we have done innovation because no, not necessarily I want to sell it at the same price because it may be a human error or it may be a judgmental decision that time taken. So we want real AI to tell us what price it should predict. So it goes through our algorithm in ERP Max and has now this continuous target variable innovation which will take the pricing data from the ERPs and would predict what was not there in history. So as in my earlier example, if now the ERP Max may say that you need to sell this product at $125. So coming back to your original question is that the data about price prediction comes from ERP because that's the main repository of all the data related to pricing, discounts, pricing related to inventory because we need to always correlate that whether the price was changed because of the excess inventory or less inventory. So all that data is in ERP and that's a great learning for an AI algorithm. Plus the innovations we have done, as I just mentioned about the continuous target variable, makes it a great price prediction use case with ERP Max. Got it. So, and in terms of sort of what we're optimizing for with price, I can imagine for many companies, Anand, the goal is just maximizing profitability. What's the best price we can sell this for at the ideal volume that people will be able to put up with where we can we can have the best results from a pure profit perspective? I can imagine there might be other businesses where they're optimizing for winning market share in a certain sector or they have inventory that maybe goes bad and so they have considerations maybe outside of profit that they have to move with. When it comes to what we're optimizing for, you mentioned kind of this continuous variable, and I can imagine there's a very technical side of this, which we won't touch on today. But in terms of customer to customer, are they essentially all just looking for, hey, whatever maximizes profit in terms of volume and price combined, that's what we're always hunting for? Or or have you seen it vary product to product or, or company to company? No, it varies from company to company, Dan. And you really brought in a very interesting topic, and the word you use is optimization. So. What I just talked about, the ERP max and continuous target variable and the forecasting prices will really tell you what will happen. But the whole use of usage of AI doesn't stop at knowing what will happen. Coming back to a real example, as I was mentioning, suppose I'm telling that the next month product price should be $125. That is what will happen. Now, what to do is a still question which is unresolved and you use the word optimization so we call also that as an optimization because the system tell you told you what will happen now not necessarily you should just blindly take that and not do something use the recommendation or optimization techniques in taking that seven to 125 dollar is predicted by the system and see what optimization you want to do and in simple english statement i say what to do about that is also an ai solution 
So answering your question, Dan, yes, we do see variability of usage in various organizations. It varies from organization to organization. But with ERP Max, what we are doing is we are standardizing the output of what will happen. What to do is really very specific to a business. It may be the same industry and maybe same customer, but what will happen is can be fairly standardized and ERP Max does that for you. But what to do is a next level of AI where we get into custom deployments with each customers. Got it, got it. So it sounds as though the, the what we're informing people with, what might show up on a dashboard, if they're trying to optimize for this, that, or the other thing, they can take that into account in whatever way, but the information will still be there to support whatever new strategy that business happens to have. But at least they'll have kind of the predictive insights. Similar to sort of the demand planning example here, Anand, I'd love to get your perspective on the the data sources that go into this kind of process. Is it 80% the same client to client? I can imagine maybe in some places you're working with folks that are in CPG, maybe in other times they're selling airplane parts. Lord knows the variety of customers that need price recommendations. It's quite a wide swath of, of different types of enterprises. Is it a, a very similar set of core data transaction types, pricing information, et cetera, that is almost always going to be the case? And how much of it will vary depending on that product size, that industry, et cetera, when it comes to these different unique projects? So Dan, the simple answer is yes, but let me get into more details because we as Findable Sciences, and I have talked to probably you also uh, in, the, in the industry, a lot about wide data. Yes, so I, I don't yes, know yes. here is that the ERP data is very important and adding additional data from outside is also very important. But what we are doing here with ERP Max is solving some quick predefined challenges with an organization using just ERP data that can be maximized down the line by adding other data and having the connector collect other data and et cetera. And that can become a full blown AI ML implementation. What we are doing with ERP Max is not getting into a full-blown AI implementation, but a very pointed use case to use the data from ERP. So I just wanted to have that clarification set aside. Yep. And coming to your question is that, yes, as I mentioned, within a product, so if somebody is using AERP, or just for the sake of names, again, SP, Microsoft Dynamics, Ramco, Infer, and there are quite a bit wide range of ERP systems there in the market. If somebody is using two organizations are using the same system, the data commonality is very much there. Now, whether it is 80% or 70% or 90% can be debatable, but by large for a use case, it is same. Now you said that what happens if some organization has more products or less products? So that really becomes the volume or the rows of the data or number of rows of the data increases. What we need for machine learning and AI is the number of columns. And these columns are pretty much standard within the ERP system. And that's the gap and opportunity we found that instead of doing over-engineering, if we can get those 100 or 150 columns from ERP related to pricing, related to demand, related to invoice processing or receivables or collections, we can solve a quick use case just on ERP data and give organization benefits. So long answer to your question, but yes, within a yeah. same system, Data commonality is very high. Okay. But that doesn't mean that that completes your full-blown AI implementation. If you want to enhance, you have to go wide. You have to go outside the organization. 
but that's a completely different topic the erp max is really developed to cater the medium sized businesses who doesn't want to get into large implementation but still want to have benefit of ai and ml and this really gives you very pointed solution and will give quick benefits with very very small investments yeah so and and just to sort of touch in a little bit here it's it's interesting you mentioned sort of the difference again between a full blown ml implementation where maybe we build some big data pipeline of you know some kind of transaction history at walmart or you know some shipping frequencies between two ports in the philippines or you know we we would level things up with all kinds of other information to to create let's say demand forecasting or price recommendations or what have you but to your point that's not necessarily going to be where a lot of enterprises start where a lot of them are going to begin is can i have a relatively simple way of getting value from the data that is already at hand and can i not have to be the one that actually does all of the coding you know can i work with a partner to just be able to kind of see the value in what I have. It sounds like you also, you know, we're talking about kind of gaps in the market. One of them was sort of the the inaccessibility of some of this ERP data and the importance of wide data. Another, it sounds like from what you're articulating, is folks who really didn't want to deal with the gigantic complexity and would prefer to be able to plug some things in, have some dashboards that can give them value without maybe having to do quite as much as a more robust kind of implementation. So that that's another way of looking at it in terms of what gap we are filling is for those folks who want to see a quick return on investments. And then as you keep talking and your emerging research talks about the strategic and capability ROIs, many organizations are still not there in order yeah. to be able to see any of those strategic and capability ROI. But they would like to see the financial ROI very yeah. quickly. ERP Max can be a sort of a proof of concept for them that AI and ML can give eventually them the financial ROI. But it's a quick way having ERP data connected to the system and giving a pointed use case and output makes organizations really see the benefits of usage of AI. Big time. Yeah. And you and I have been in touch for a little bit here, Anand, and I know you followed some of our work. There's certainly a lot of room in the ecosystem for applications that focus on less complexity in terms of integration and more speed in terms of some level of value that we can get out of AI. And many, many companies are really going to be starting there when it comes to their journey. So interesting to get some clarity around your product development process, because I think for some of our listeners, it's cool to understand the different kinds of solutions that are out there. And I know we're uh, a little bit over time here, Anand, but it was a more than fun conversation. I'm glad we got to dive into both the use cases we wanted to dive into. And I appreciate you being here with us again. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Dan. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. I was glad that at the end of this show, we got to dive a little bit into the stratum of the AI vendor ecosystem in terms of big custom solutions, in terms of early access solutions for more smaller and mid-sized enterprises, and Anand put some good granularity on that, which I hope was helpful for those of you who are tuned in. And I'm sure it's not going to be the last episode we have on waking up existing data and existing silos within the enterprise. So plenty more of that to come in the next two months. I did mention at the top of this episode, this episode was sponsored by Findability Sciences. If you'd like to learn more about reaching Emerge's global audience through our podcasts, our newsletters, our websites, and more, you can learn more about Emerge Media at emerj.com slash ad1. That's ad like advertise, and then just the number one, emerj.com slash ad1. You can learn more about Emerge Media 
on that page and even download our full media kit to get a sense of what our services are for companies as big as an IBM, all the way down to smaller startups like Findability Sciences. So that's all for this episode. Thank you again for tuning in. I look forward to catching you in the next one.